Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome to another episode of Sky Women. I am so excited that you have chosen to join us today. We have a special guest with us, Dr. Jessica Daigle. She is a board certified pediatric hospitalist with a focus in neonatal medicine. She proudly serves as a neonatal hospitalist and a medical director for a level two NICU in Georgia. But what is really unique about Dr. Daigle, what I just love and why she is here today is that she is the founder of Mom and Me by Jessica Daigle, MD. She developed this company to ease the transition from birth to home for families by offering in-home medical care, including lactation support and providing emotional support for moms and babies during that fourth trimester. Oh my gosh, Dr. Daigle, this is so needed. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I mean, I could go through your credentials, but quite frankly, I don't think anybody cares. They know you're qualified. You got the MD, you've done the training, right? You're a medical director. We know that you've got the street cred. (laughs) So talk to us about this passion and kind of how you came about developing this, because I just think it's, it's phenomenal uh, that you're really just following that tug at your heart. You're following that in this journey, just exactly what lights you on fire whenever you're caring for patients. Yeah. So it really started with a long time ago when I was 10 years old. I was almost an avid reader when I was younger, (laughs) but um, I ended up uh, finding this book. I I always had an interest in babies for some reason. So I really think that 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 was God given for sure. And so I was seeking out books at the library just about things to do with babies. And I came across this book called The Long Dying of Baby Andrew. And it was this family who had talked about having a preterm infant in their journey and kind of their struggle with medical care at the time. I mean, this was like in the 60s. And so, you know, preterm infants lasting longer than like in the 22 weeks, like reviving an infant or 23 or 24 weeker, you know, that was like, like, oh my gosh, like a huge thing. And so this family actually wanted the freedom to kind of deny care and and let their baby like transition. And it was a struggle between them and the medical staff who wanted to like do all this heroics, like, no, we can save this baby and X, Y, and Z. And so I was fascinated by that because it made me wonder like, well, what is the right choice in that kind of situation and of course that's a fairly deep book for a 10 year old but my mom always right. said <laughs> my mom said I was always an old soul so anyway after that book though I said I want to be a neonatologist like that was it for me like I researched and there's this website called www.neonatology.org and it's still a website to this day I tell you like check it out and so I researched what does it take to become that and so then I told my mom I'm going to medical school. That's it. I have to become this kind of doctor. I got to take care of the babies. And so I set myself on that path. And so I made it through to the first year fellowship. And I had my own preterm infant, though, that I was dealing with and being separated. I was in Baltimore. My family was back in Louisiana. And that was very hard. Like, it kind of was interesting because you set yourself on this path with these goals. But then when your circumstances change, you kind of sometimes have to adjust. And my son needed me you know, and it was hard to, for my, for my husband, his business was down back, um, down South. And so I had to make an adjustment. And so 
I was looking for jobs like NICU, like, okay, I, where can I put this training to use? And Mednax was needing a level, somebody that can run a level two NICU down there in uh, Griffin, Georgia. So I interviewed and got the job. And so that's where I've been since. But and so I definitely love like attending deliveries and taking care of babies and NICU babies, but I still was missing that, like once they left, that was it. Cause you typically as a traditional pediatrician, you would see patients in clinic and like follow them all the way through. And I knew that I was really still passionate about just that population, but how can I still help them transition, stay in touch with that family to a period of time? Like I said, I, I love all of, of pediatrics for sure. Cause I love kids, but babies are my favorite and acute care, like just taking care of like sick kids. I just love that. Mm-hmm. I think that. That, that acute care is definitely my thing. And so I was like, well, is there, I knew there was NICU development follow-up clinic. And so I was mm-hmm. like, well, they have like follow-up clinics. Is there something where you're helping the mom and baby like a home health? And so I researched it and didn't really think that there was anything too much like it until like about two years ago, I came across like Naya care and I was like, oh, somebody's doing this like up in Colorado. And yeah. so I reached out to her And she was so supportive and still has been. I know she's busy, but it just gave me that fire that I can do to this, do, I can too do this in my community. And so that's where um, Mom and Me was born out of because I wanted to focus on that special time after having a baby. You like, you go home and you're just like, everybody's expecting you to just jump right back into it. And yeah, snap back, girl. (laughs) Yeah, like, like, excuse me, like I just birthed a human. Somebody else needs to try this. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, um, right. You do the laundry and the dishes and go back to work and nurse the baby all night. Nothing else do people expect you to do that. Like, if you go have a procedure right now, like a huge major surgery, everybody give you a pass. Like, oh, oh, totally. They're recovering, but like you have a baby, it's like you're supposed to just get on with it. And it's like, (laughs) no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going through a physical, mental, and emotional change. And, mm-hmm. and you need support. It's like you were celebrated all that time while you were pregnant. And then after you have a baby, it's like, all right. Yeah. Like, no, you still, if there's still that, like that fourth trimester, that 12 weeks mm-hmm. after. And the other cultures, those moms are celebrated. I've seen it when we have other cultures that have their babies at our, hosp- our American hospitals. Those moms are like, it's like, they don't, they don't want them to do anything. They're like, no, no, you lay down and yeah, let me totally doted on. Yeah. 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 Totally doted on. And moms need that. I mean, you need that emotional support for sure. And so I want to provide that. I wanted, to, I envisioned like this holistic thing, like somebody to take care of the mom and baby emotionally, but also somebody to do like the, oh, you need some chores to be ran or, you know, some errands to be run or some chores done or your other kids need assistance or, you know, like it'd be like a, a full thing, like not just addressing a full service. Areas, full service. Thank you. But not just, okay, I'm just going to come and listen to you talk about your problems, but no, let me also provide some solutions. I love that. So this is what you're envisioning within mom and me. It's not only the yes. postpartum medical care for mom and baby, but also that emotional support and the actually practical support. Practical support. Cause you know, think about it. You have people come over, like you'd have your baby and your friends coming over. They want to visit. No, no. Are you coming over with a meal? (laughs) Are you bringing food? Are you doing dishes and laundry? (laughs) Are you holding the baby while I take a shower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to visit. We know each other. Are you going to come help me? (laughs) 
Oh, agree. Agree. Oh my gosh. So this is great. This is amazing. Okay. I want to back up a little bit though, because okay. I want us to define like, what's the difference between a neonatologist and a pediatrician? Okay. So a neonatologist spends an extra three years in training in a fellowship that focuses on babies, like infants that need specialized care. So it could be because they were born early or they have specialized medical conditions, need surgery, basically where the babies have to end up going into a neonatal intensive care unit, though they are the ones that are receive extra uh, certification training, board certification in, in that, in focusing only on that. Whereas a general pediatrician can still work in that same vein, but they would still like, technically, if you were a pediatrician working in a level three, you still would have to have like a neonatologist oversight. So like, even though I'm a director at the hospital in my level two, we technically have like oversight of a neonatologist, like at other sites and another site in the okay. organization. And okay. Like that. mm -hmm. And that's because you actually were in a neonatology fellowship, but fellowship, then you yeah. left because you yeah. had your own preterm baby. Yeah, I had my own preterm baby. I had actually had him before I even went to fellowship. I think I just thought that I could just carry on in my life plans and yeah. adjust. And it was different. It was definitely different. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's the biggest difference. So I definitely get, I mean, I'm support, I've, I've wrestled with returning back to fellowship, to be honest. That was something that I was like doing my own thing or returning back to fellowship, which I've encouraged in both, been encouraged in both ways. The neonatologists that I work with, they're like, listen, no brainer, you would do so great because you just already know it'd be more like checking something off of a list, so to speak. But I, I'm really feeling the mood towards doing this. And one of my friends who is a neo, she said, well, what is it that you would specifically gain from going back? She's like, because you're really already able to do right. just about everything that we do. You just may not have, they basically haven't had to take the extra test to do it. That's what she right. said. Right, right. Because <laughs> um, I've even been offered by Emory to work at their level three. So I could still go work in there too and do the same thing. I would just have to officially, I guess, check off with them. But they were like, well, be just like, okay, yeah, we agree with the same thing that you're doing because you already know what you're doing, so to speak. So, right. um, so I, I've kind of made peace with that. That was definitely a struggle for me, Carolyn, for a while. Like, like, am I giving up on a dream? And what does that mean for me? What does it mean for me teaching my kids about change and, and things yeah. like that? But then I've come with, made peace with it that sometimes we have a destination, but it's really the journey that was what was, should have been the focus. Like, I needed that goal to get me to where I am today because I really need to be in this place at this moment. Right. And look what you've accomplished up to this point. And I feel like that motherhood is the great equalizer, right? Like it just humbles you in so many ways. It does. And it That's does awesome. shift your focus. You know, it really helps you to kind of reevaluate what kind of I mean, do I want to be? What kind of doctor yeah. do I want to be? Yeah. Where do my priorities yeah. sit? Because you only have so much energy and so many hours in the day. So where are you going to put that? That's so, well, that's so good. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I was thinking about that when I was looking at my two-year-old today, like when I just even left to kind of separate myself just to do this interview with you in that symposium. And she was so heartbroken and I felt so like, oh, I didn't want to leave, have to leave her, but she would have been all up in this interview, you know? Right. <laughs> right. It's right. But it made right. me think like, 
owning my own time. I never wanted that for myself until I had my kids because really otherwise I was just working. And I mean, I pretty much could do what I want otherwise anyway. Like I'm pretty low key. Like I like to eat and sleep and watch (laughs) and watch movies. Like I can do that everywhere. Eat and sleep and watch movies. So I didn't have no real life goals. You know what I mean? (laughs) Outside of medicine. Yeah. 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 I'd already achieved. I was a doctor. Heck, I was done. All right. So this has set you you on a totally new path. And I do want to define for, I mean, most mamas who are listening probably will will be aware, but, you know, we have the term of preterm infant, right? That might have to go to the NICU. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's kind of define that. So it's actually now there have been a lot of people that have been trying to save these 22 or 23 weekers, depending on what they look like, just because there's always that two weeks that are the dates a little bit off? What does the baby look sure. like once he's born and things like that? So typically 23 to 34 weeks would be our root preterm and 34 weeks to 36 weeks and like six days, or you could just say 37 weeks is late preterm and then 37 and up is term. And I often have to tell my families that just because they look like they got everything together on the outside, it's that inside that we're concerned about growing and maturing because they'll have everything, but the expectations um, have to be realistic because they're, they were technically supposed to still be growing and, and, and things happening in their brain and their organs and things to make them able to function without a lot of support, unless that there were, are some genetic things that needed to be addressed. So we have to get coordinated. Huh? to get coordinated. Yeah, they do. It's a, I mean, baby, I have so much respect for babies. I mean, think about it. No other person have to like enter a new environment and be expected to do everything at the same time. Like they have to be breathing and be able to eat and they got to pee and poop and they got to, you know, just everything. Has suckle. To <laughs> yeah. Suckle. And we have so many expectations. You have to do this in this amount of time or else you something's not right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, no, everybody else get training. They don't, even get training. <laughs> they don't even get training. So any baby though, can it be admitted to the NICU? So um, I have a lot of families. It's, it's really a lot more of our families who don't expect to have anything wrong. Actually, you know, we'll have, have that subset that has, who's gotten prenatal care that they find out the baby may, has this diagnosis and will need this type of support once they're born. And so they kind of have that whole pregnancy with sometimes a specialist to guide them and tell them what they'll need to expect to happen. But a lot of parents, they go into having their baby and surprise, the heart is on the right side of the body or, you know, the intestines are in the chest or they, you know, they got the spine coming out their back, you know, and, and just they're surprised. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh. And, and they're like, they couldn't have seen this on the scan, you know, and you're like, sometimes, you know, it just depends on how the baby's oriented or different things. So, right. So, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you were telling me that you kind of did a lot of soul searching and came to this idea to develop mom and me because you found yourself in the hospital when things were going on with baby, when y'all were intubating, when you were having this higher level of care, you were looking for the parents because you want to educate the family, which I just think is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I think that oftentimes it's easy to get caught up in what's happening with the patient, which is it, that is important, but I've always been, I've been in training I've always had the mind frame of the mom 
of the pediatric patient and the parent that they are the patient together. Right. And so I, when I was, when I was deciding to do peas, I would have a lot of my friends be like, Oh no, I cannot do that. Cause I'm not dealing with those parents. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I looked at it as a challenge. I had a different perspective. I'm like, it's really them that really needs the care and reassurance. It, right. They're right. the ones that's really aware of what's going on. Like, right. you know, when we be in the PQ, I used to say the parents need probably need a dose of Versed too. Like, <laughs> you know, like they totally. need they need to forget what's going on. They're the ones that's stressed. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah. you know, I could just they're the ones who are gonna have PTSD. Yes, the kid is gonna be like, oh, I'm good now. You know, once they're good, you know, great, great to God, they make it and things go well, like yeah. you desire. And so they, kids are so resilient. They bounce back. It's like the adults that you kind of have to work with a lot of times, you know? And so that I just, I just can tell you that that was my natural inclination to always find them even now. I, whenever I have a delivery and I, after I've done it, the resuscitation bed, I go right there to where the mom and the dad is. And you know, the mom, she may or may not be aware, depending on what kind of medication they give, but I at least try to tell the caregiver with her, hey, I'm having to take your baby to the NICU. We want to assess him or her and see what kind of care we need to provide. And then I'm going to find you in recovery and give you an update. But I like them to know that I'm intentional about going with their baby, making sure right. they're fine. But I care that they are scared right now and, right. and that they need to know what's going on. But I have to choose the baby right now because I am the provider that has to do certain things. But I have not forgotten them either. And right. so that's so important to me. Even if I can't get away, I'll send one of the nurses to say, hey, let, let them know I end up having to go ahead and intubate. I'm going to be able to explain what that means. I end up, or I'm stuck because I need, they need access and I'm the only one that can get it right now, but I don't yeah. like them to be out there like scared and worried like that, right. that bothers me, you know? So, right. Okay. So I want you to tell us okay. about mom and me and how that is going to advance the care. Cause we've talked about what you've experienced in the hospital and what that looks like, but how okay. is mom and me serving mom and baby okay. once okay. they're home? Okay, so Mom and Me is designed to still provide medical and emotional support and practical support, like you brought up, for, for families. When moms get home, they're still, their body is still undergoing a lot of changes. So a mom who has had a C-section, where we as a pediatrician, I know I do it. I'm like, okay, well, your baby needs to see a pediatrician in a few days. And that's true, especially for a baby that's breastfeeding. Um, they need weight checks. They need John, Jonas to be monitored. The pediatrician just needs to know they exist because, you know, in case the mom has questions, they have a home, somebody they can reach out to now that they've left the hospital and they're not right. like in a limbo. And so my goal is to decrease the stress associated with that transition because we know certain things are going to have to happen, that there is going to be stress. I don't, I think that a lot of people just don't appreciate what the changes are and they focus on, oh, trying to, trying to make people just feel better instead of providing the actual help that is necessary. So I want to be able to go to that home, do that first exam of that mom and baby, assess, assess them, check the blood pressures, 
ask mom, do the postpartum depression screening. Cause I worry about that too. Like the moms doesn't technically have to see anybody to another six weeks. A lot can happen in six weeks. Okay. Totally. Now I, I do <laughs> hope that um, all my OBGYN colleagues are, you know, taking heart to our ACOG recommendation now and seeing mamas sooner. Yeah. Typically I see them, you know, checking in closer to two, two to three weeks. So I am encouraged by that, but yeah, moms okay. need a lot of support, especially if baby's in the NICU. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Especially there, because then I have a special heart for that too, because, you know, the baby is there. Cause I, I went through that. Like my son was still in the NICU for four weeks and then I'm at home. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pump to bring milk up to the hospital and still spend the time that I can with him while he's having to kind of be in an isolate at first. So providing that support, but also, and is a little bit different for me because I am a medical professional. So I kind of knew a little bit more about what to expect, but I sometimes see, like we talked about a lot of our, sometimes a lot of our medical colleagues are not as forward about what, you know, to expect during this experience and where you're trying to go. I'm very intentional about planning and my, the, the nurses will have you laughing. Dr. Dago always has a plan. <laughs> so I tell the parents like, cause I already know, well, they're going to, well, when does, when will my baby go home? And I tell them, I don't want to be pinned down to a date, but I can tell you what has to happen. Right. So the baby still needs to not need any respiratory support needs to be on eating everything that they can to grow and tolerate it, be able to control their body temperature and not need any other medical support that, that only can be provided in a hospital. I said, it's the same, it's the same requirements we have when they're born and they don't need to go into the NICU. We still have to check off those things. Is the baby eating? Did the baby can't poop? Did they do all these things? And so it's the same thing. It's just that your baby had to grow outside of you. So we had to take, it had to, he or she had to take a little bit more time to get to those stages because development neurologically, some processes are like sucking, swallowing, eating and breathing coordination. They don't really have to know how to do that. So they're about 33, 34 weeks. So a 28 weeker was not going to ever be concerned about that, you know? So we have to allow him or her to have that amount of time. So for the moms who are in the NICU, it would be walking them through the processes of the diagnosis of the development that still has to take place in order for their baby to be successful and thrive when they get home. You're kind of the NICU doula. <laughs> I am. I love it. I need to promote myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> truly. I mean, like you're, you'll be the NICU whisperer. Like you're, you're going to walk mom and baby through it. Yeah, I, love it. I love it. So you are launching mom and me as a, a company out to the world in February of 2022. Is that right? That's right. My birthday is 2122. And I kind of thought of it like the numbers, like, well, I started at my current job, February 1st on my birthday. And then I was thinking like how 21 going into 22. So two, one to two, two. So I was like, that would be so cool. Like, you know, kind of transitioning myself, yeah. the whole play on the numbers and things. Yeah. And then I felt like my, for my, for me and my birthday, like that's a birth, you know, a, a new beginning. And so I would yeah. take it out the same way, like a new beginning. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And so how can others find you? If they wanted to support to work with you, like, are you only doing it within Georgia? Or are you going to do some? Well, right now, so I'm learning about that, that whole process too. So I imagine the actual hands-on would only be able to be probably within a certain radius, just because of the logistics of driving to help moms with breastfeeding, things like that. But I'm exploring a virtual option where if 
people will like to talk about the breastfeeding or like the observer latch or just even talk about overall care. Like they have a question, almost like a telemed health type of thing. Like, hey, this is happening with my baby. Is this normal? And we kind of talk through what's, feed, what's normal for feeding and diapers and stooling and all these things that start to come up when you go home that you realize my goodness, I, is this okay? Especially for a new mom. A lot of- All the seasoned, questions, all the questions. Yeah, a lot of seasoned moms might be like, okay, I've been there. I know that, you know, the stool constipation is really like the quality of the stool, not if they didn't go yesterday versus today. But a new mom, you know, if you don't, if the baby don't poop every day, that second day they're worried because they haven't had a poop already, which could still be normal. So again, counsel, educate, reassure. A lot of what we do as physicians, the reassurance piece matters. And let me tell you why. Because now with the internet, our patients can go learn everything that you and I know. And Dr. Google <laughs> freaks them out. Yeah, because you know what they're coming to us for? The experience, because it's not enough to have the information. It's the experience, the word so of mouth, that, that makes people feel comfortable, right? And so it's like knowing, like, you know, the last thing that Dr. Dago reassured me about, she was spot on. And the next thing, and the last thing, and the last thing, and that rapport is built. And then they, and that trust, which is so important. I, I think that that should not be violated or broken because you have a, we have a huge responsibility. I mean, we're, I mean, your health is the core of who you are. Like if you are not alive, like I didn't, then like, what are you pretty much? Right. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. Like it sounds so simple, but yeah. when you think about it, it's like, if people are like, you can have everything else, but if you're not healthy, it really doesn't matter. Oh, right? Yeah. My and late so, father-in-law used to always say, when you have your health, you have everything. That's true, because then yeah. you can build upon that. But if you yeah. have everything and then you're disintegrating for all kinds of different reasons in every aspect, then you don't really feel like you have everything. And so I just really, when when I when people come away from me, I want to tell, have felt like they were heard and seen. Yeah, that's what makes me feel so good. Like when the patients tell me that, I just I'm, I just sometimes I cry because I just my wish is there. Like yes, they felt seen, heard because I know that that's what I want to feel every day yeah. her and appreciate it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Okay. This is what I tell my parents, like always my parting, whenever I'm discharging a family and I go through like safe sleep and the car seat and the umbilical cord and all these different things, I always tell my parents, you are your baby's best advocate. Mm -hmm. And we as healthcare providers, we can miss it. We're human. And so at any, at any moment, a doctor be, can be moving too fast, not really paying attention to the details, kind of like push off, you know, your concerns. And I work really hard not to be that way, but even I'm still not perfect. And right. so if you have this, this burning feeling like something's not right with your baby, make somebody pay attention. You keep going because yes. at the end of the day, that's your baby and you are the ones that will suffer the consequences directly right and so right. I, I definitely believe that and so that would be my parting advice to to moms out there oh I love it yes thank you so much that is great advice because there are so many times that moms feel like they're not heard well if you're not heard it's okay to be the squeaky wheel it's okay to go right. and seek the advice to get a second yeah, I opinion I tell people all the people mm -hmm. that come in L&D all the time even if they're coming in five times yeah the nurses say all oh, they're back again but you know what they're gonna make sure that their baby's all right and <laughs> that's, that's right. what they're supposed to do 
That's what they're supposed to do. That's right. I know. So many times. talking about you. You have to do what you have to do. Absolutely. There's so many times where moms will come into the OB emergency department and be like, I'm so sorry. I feel so stupid. I'm like, absolutely not. No. Better safe than sorry. Yes. That's what we're here for 24 7. The same. I can't, I can't tell you a couple of times I thought, am I abrupting? Especially when you know too much. You're like, oh. you're a little spotting. You're like, oh, Lord, let me go get checked because I've seen I'm, the other side of that, you know? Sure. Like, Sure, yeah, so sure. Checked out and be your own advocate. <laughs> well, Dr. Daigle, this has been such a delight. And I know that Mom and Me is going to be such a success. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us today. Thank you. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.